Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 360 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. Yes, it's Tuesday. What of it? What of it? At the time of releasing this podcast, anyway, we've been through this. November is two times a week. We're having The Sausage Factory, so enjoy. Yeah. Told you I've got a bit of a backlog. Need to compress things a little. And also, you get a bonus show once a week. So, yeah. Anyway, who am I talking to this week? I'm talking to... Paul Schneff of Grizzly Games about their city-building chill-out game, Islanders. It really is a very relaxing experience. You just build these little towns and cities within a certain set of parameters, which we delve into great detail during this recording of this show, and have a really chilled-out time talking about it, because it's a chilled game. I might have said the word chill a little bit too often. Sorry about that. Anyway... So we listen to me from the past talk to Paul. Let's do that. Let's get to the point. I could ramble on, but I'll, I'll stop. Chris! Paul! Who are you? And what do you do? Um, yeah, I'm Paul. a Berlin-based in the game developer. And also one-third of uh, Grizzly Games, which is a small Berlin-based indie game studio. Um, yeah, being an indie developer, I mainly create games. Um, right. You say you wear a lot of hats. You know, you do the, you do the marketing, maybe then do a bit of, bit of art. I don't know. What what, what yeah, are the main it things depends, you're doing? Really, um, right. working on, on solo projects as well. But with Crystal Games, we kind of have very flexible roles. Right. Being just such a small team, as you said, you have to wear many hats. Yeah. And of course, it's Cologne week this week. Well, Gamescom in Cologne. That's how we pronounce it in this fine country. I know it's called something else. Apologies. Uh, <laughs> but it's Gamescom this week. And that's, uh, no, that's where I normally visit your fine fine nation, sir. Um, I have been to Berlin and stuff like that. But 
that's the last time I was in Germany was was for Gamescom two three years ago now. Uh, lovely city, it is. Uh, have you been? Oh yes, very. I think I actually have been to the very first Gamescom at some point. Right. They moved it from the city it used to be. Yeah, before. it used to be well, in East Germany, didn't it? Or, yeah, and yeah. a city called Leipzig, even harder to pronounce. <laughs> yes, yes, sorry. So yes, it's I've been, British. but that really was like a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a good show. I enjoy it. It's got two parts to it. You've got the business side and then public side. It's fun. I like it. Yeah, definitely. I think it also yeah. grew a lot the last mm. couple of years. Yeah, well, even worse, all good heavens. Okay, um, uh, I go to PAX now. I go to PAX East and West, so um, I will be oh, going that's back nice again. As well. Yeah, I'm going to PAX East next year when it's you know when things have settled down and things are back to semi-normal. And, yeah, I think uh, the Gamescom is like purely digital this year, anyway. It is. Right? It is. Yeah. Oh, I see. And uh, EGX is starting up again, so that's good. That's the one in in London in the UK. But uh, anyway. That aside, expose aside, this is all exciting stuff. But, Paul, how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? Um, well, it kind of just um, happened, I guess. I always have been into games. And actually, even back in my youth, I always wanted to be, or at least there was a point where I said I want to make video games when I grow up. But then kind of like people told me that's not a real job and... I I almost forgot about it, and then I um, tried studying different things, actually, sports, computer science, and then I quit that and found out about um, a game design program here in Berlin at a public university. It's called HGW. Um, yes, and I applied there. It was back in 2015. And then I did my bachelor's degree in game design there, which is not maybe how game design is usually used as a um, as a term because it's not only focused on the design side but it's rather more like a wholesome how to make games and then you like in the bachelor program you can like specialize into whatever part of making games you like most but it's called game design and yes there i met a couple of other awesome people and we had, as part of our program, we um, had a couple of projects that required us to create small games, usually over the course of a semester. And yes, the recent game of Grizzly Games was actually one of those university projects originally. Like we did one game before um, Islanders called Superflight which was our third semester project. And then at the end of the project, we just figured it's kind of sad that so many of those student projects just, yeah, rot on some hard drive after after being completed. And we figured that we just wanted to publish ours and it went quite well. Then we did pretty much the same thing with Islanders. And yeah, that's where we are now. It's such a shame, you're right. It feels so wasteful. Like, you know, yes, you spent all this effort for a very brief period of time to complete your degree and at, at college and then went, all right, that's it, that's just sort of like shuffled off and, and destroyed somewhere. Like, no, this is this is a good game. Like, hmm? Is it? 
don't know. Well here's your degree. Here's your here's your here's your little scroll. Off you pop. Go and go and make forge your way in the world. You know, it's like uh, yeah, but but it's a good game. I know I can relate to that, I really can. I, I've been part of game jams and stuff like that. I do know how that feels where for a brief maybe forty eight hours when you've got those ones that really intense time and you got no but something spat out at the end of it and sometimes it's utter rubbish. You and I know this. But sometimes sometimes you go there's something to this. We can we can po- we can polish this and do something into something quite special. So and it's what you've done with Islanders. Fantastic. So my next question is maybe difficult for you to answer, and you can answer it as yourself or as Grizzly Games. But it sounds like Grizzly Games has like a very loose but very focused collective of developers, which is wonderful. Um, but um, what do you believe are your biggest influences as a creator? Um, well, that's that's a tough question. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I might try to answer it um, in a more general way for Grizzly Games and then maybe in a more personal way for just myself because I can't speak for the other two here, which I call Jonas and Friedemann, by the way. I guess Indeed, I will yes, ref- yes. I will refer to them <laughs> later. Jonas and Friedemann both are um, the remaining part of grizzly games indeed right um well what the question was what inspired us right what was your influence what's your what's, oh, the, influence. what's the thing that in, in well, you do as the greatest as a creator i think all three of us came from rather um different different backgrounds originally so freeman was um already a quite good illustrator when he started the program so he came more from from an art background jonas was very very design focused so he also designed all the and and balance especially all the different building types and building relations that are there in islanders and then me i was actually i i hadn't really a qualification before i started the program so i was like um yeah kind of an all-rounder i guess and also interested in many things and that was probably a good way to yeah inspire each other because we had so wildly different backgrounds but for me personally as a creator um especially when when working on islanders um of course we all had this Big city building games you um, mentioned earlier. Yeah, in the Nora virtual green room, we were chatting about how our Islanders merged two certain games, two favorite games of mine, which we'll reveal later. But uh, yeah, so you like Civilization and, and what's the, that's the big granddaddy of them all, but Europa Universalist, maybe? Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's even like I actually like the fantasy of all those games really right. much, especially. Even um, also those those grand strategy games like Europa Universalis, um, Crusader Kings. I really like every time I, I see them, I want to play them so much. But then every time I actually do, things get kind of a bit too complicated for me. And then also one session takes an extremely long, um, yeah, long time to complete. So I think with Islanders, we were definitely inspired by those. And then we also want to 
something much, 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 much simpler. A little bit like Civ Revolution. Remember that? That might have been before my time. Probably, that's fine. It was older than people give it credit, but it's an old mobile version of Civilization. Oh, then I just have missed, missed out on it. Yeah, that was a 3DS. And, well, DS, actually, it might be a DS game, but it was also ported to 360. It was of that era. So it's a good 10, 15 years now. People don't want to admit that, but it was that long ago. But um, they simplified. They streamlined a lot of the interface with Civ and turned it into something slightly different, but really good. Really, I think they made two of those games. Oh, really? I should have a look. Yeah. actually sound something right up my alley. Yeah, yeah, so you can actually nip in and out of a Civ game after 20 minutes, which didn't make a lot of sense at the time, but it was very elegant. So, okay. <clears throat> the next question, then, and uh, this one's also a little bit difficult to, to get your head around, but um, you can give me multiple answers as well, and that's fine. But... Um, what developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Ooh, tough question <laughs> as well. <laughs> Another one. Um, well, i got to think about that for, for a couple of seconds, I think. That's all right. It's um... probably... Well... <laughs> It's funny because when I, I think about developers, I, I don't even have a lot of them that pop to my mind right away. I mostly like have It can be a person or a, or a company. It doesn't, it doesn't mind. I don't mind. But anyone you think... I think yeah, go most inspiring for me are yeah. um, those solo developers or really small teams because they obviously do something similar to what we do yeah and so yeah it's just amazing to me how some of them manage to create such extensive and polished experiences with such limited resources because like once you realize how how much work making a game actually is and really makes you admire people that I don't know, I just it's very different, but Stardew Valley just popped to my mind, which I think was made by a single person. I, I forgot his name, but it's like it has so much content and so much polish and people are sticking with it for for years. Which is we always um developed Developed our games in rather compact timeframes. Both Islanders and Superflight were developed in less than a year. So people just sticking with their projects for, I don't know, three, four, five years. That was really inspiring to me. Yeah. I think uh, those, those polymaths, as they're known, those people who can put their hand to almost anything. Uh, yeah, exactly. You, know, you get, sometimes you get. You hear like, uh, who did the music? And then I did it. What? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but this is all like got arrangements and composition. Like, yeah. And sometimes they sort of fly back back at you and say, well, it's just numbers. Like, okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Um, 
it's it is quite impressive to have those those people just like on their own um, somehow get, get some yeah it is an impressive feat and it's good to shout those out to point them out and go they've done an amazing thing and, uh, yeah it's why you know it's 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 um it's definitely something to shout about and cheer anything else any company you think or any particular developer group or collective that you think are doing good things uh well something i just discovered recently was um a collective from i think the netherlands they're called uh-huh. Sockpop, oh, and they have yes. this oh you know them yes it's been come up on the show before yeah to please remind our listeners about yeah, I just very much like their concept of doing extremely small games. Yes. But they're all you know, just focused on one single idea and executed very well, especially when you consider that I think they publish one game a month. Which is, they, they do. Which is like a crazy schedule. Yeah. It's just um, yeah, I also some... really like the ideas they come up with. It's like just because they they're publishing so many games it's almost like a library of interesting game design ideas yeah which you could just is. go to to get inspired it, it is a concept yeah it certainly is yeah it's that <laughs> but uh, and it's also something i personally as um not only as a designer but also as a person who plays video games i really um appreciate to appreciate the, the kind of very small but also very polished or at least like they, the games they make feel they have such a high quality feel to them but they're not as time consuming or expensive as a lot of other games and I usually find myself in a situation where I want to play something but then I also don't want to invest 15 hours into it hmm. So, yeah, it's really something I wish more of it would exist out there. Yeah, yeah. We don't have to have, you know, 120-hour epics, do we? Do we? Which are fun as well, but you don't always have 120 hours. (laughs) No, you don't. Um, So, yeah, it's it's a thing, isn't it? There are many times I look at my pile of games that I'd like to play and go, I'd like to, but... I know it's going to happen. It's going to spend, you know, weeks on it. If, if maybe even more. I heard of one chap who'd spent on a JRPG. I think it's Xenogear Chronicles, and he'd spent like he was a young father, and he would spend a half an hour a day on it. it took him two and a half years <laughs> to finish. <laughs> because, wow! Because he was like dipping in and out of the game when he could, between looking after his kids. Just, that, that's impressive discipline. Uh, just to yeah, continue. He just, he just he really wanted to play the game. He said, "The only way I'm going to do it is like this. The only way I'm going to do it." So, okay. So well, that's that's yeah. pretty cool, actually. That is. That is. Speaking of playing games, here we go. Last question of the first half. See, well done. You made it. <laughs> is this what are you playing right now, Paul? Um, different things. I don't have, or I don't take that much time to play games myself. But when I do, I, as I said, I'm trying to go for shorter experiences rather than devoting a lot, a lot of time to single game. Yeah, yeah. So um, let me just 
recall in my head what the last five games I played were. I actually play a lot of skateboarding games because I... Um, There's one coming out. It's really been development for a couple of years. and I played it at PAX East last year. Um, I can't remember what it's called, though. It's, uh, anyway, carry on. Is it like Skate 3, for example, maybe? Like? Um, yeah, I actually even play uh, Skate 3. I, I don't own a console, but I have this emulator where I okay. fire it up every now and then. There are also Session and Skater XL, they're both on PC. Okay. So this is just because I like skateboarding and it's a, a hobby of what, mine. So I also. What do you like... make of um, Oli Oli? Did you? Oh yeah, I played it as well. It's okay. Pretty cool. I think there is coming a new one out as well. Mm, Oli Oli World, nice three D yeah, exactly. version. Yeah, yes. that would be fun. Pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, those. Um, actually played the the last Call of Duty, the the Warzone one. Okay. Because originally, um, like my taste in games really shifted over the last couple of years. Originally, I was really into um, competitive multiplayer games, and then I guess they were just too hard to make as a um, as an indie team or a solo developer. So then I, I kind of with my creations, also my taste in games shifted a bit. So now I'm rather into smaller indie experiences. That's interesting. Um, yeah, that's, I found that. I mean, I was a massive MMO player for years, and then just stopped. Just stopped. I couldn't get back into them. Like I can't. Just, all I can see is spreadsheets. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and like, also, I think it's it's just a time thing. So yeah, I think that's probably. More I really fun. like like Bad North. Um, okay. What's this coin? It has islands as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is where you play this um, band of Vikings that um, travel mm. from island to island, which they have to defend. Uh, that's a very nice art style and pretty relaxed gameplay as well. Yeah. That's a good um, shout. Anything else? It's just so hard to to remember. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> like, I have an extensive Steam library. Um, I played Omno recently, which is oh from... yes, that's come out on Game Pass as well. And I I bought it after I found out, or before I found out it was on Game Pass. I'm like, oh come on, <laughs> oh, he deserved it, I guess. Yeah, I think it's deserved, from, yeah. from a solo developer as well. Yeah. So I went. That's cool, Chris. Don't worry. I mean, I did it with. Um, Recompile as well. It's another really good game that I I got that's come out last week. Another action adventure game. But sorry, you were talking about is it Omni? Is it Omno? Om- Omno, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of it? It's beautiful, isn't it? Oh yes, it is definitely. I wish there would exist more games like this. I could just like dive into into it for half an hour, and there's no not so much pressure. You can just explore, but it also still has a good flow and game feel. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Like Islanders, <laughs> uh, please let's what we butter me up. I'm just genuinely mean that. Um, that's why one of the reasons I had you on the show because it's just you know spoke to me and uh, I was annoyed that I missed it on the PC, but I picked it up on the Switch, so we're all good, we're all good. Um, but uh, oh, so you only played it on the Switch so far? I have, yes, I, I do have it on the PC because I bought a copy as well. Um, but uh, I decided to try out the Switch and see how that, how you dealt with the interface on that system. It's ex- excellent, very good. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, I haven't really dealt in. I played way more on the Switch than I have on the on the PC, mainly because of commuting. Back to commuting now. There you go. Oh, yeah, I see. I actually was was thinking about getting a Switch for for a while now. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. It's just I have a very large memory card in it, which is that just turns your machine into this bottomless pit of awesomeness of games. <laughs> I mean, my my selection of life, I'm just doing whoosh. Swoosh. You know, you're just one of those situations. Just, just like a massive Steam library, like. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, it's, like a, my, it's perfect for a commute, isn't it? It is. It is. The, the switch off and then on again, and it's wonderful. Um, well, actually, I'm playing a DS game at the moment, or three DS game at the moment, Monster Hunter Stories, uh, because the second one came out on Switch. So that's great, but I forgot about the first one. So I play the first one and then I'll jump onto the second. Sometimes, sometimes I do that. Not always. Um, like we asked the question once, Caden Rince was asked the question, you know, what what game series do you think you need to start off from the beginning before attempting the latest one? It's a good question. I mean, uh, someone said Ratchet and Clank. I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you really don't need to start at the beginning. There's so many of them anyway. Uh, but of course, Last of Us Part One. That's so obvious. You can't really play the second one really without finishing the first. Yeah, I always want to play that. Unfortunately, I don't have console, so no, no, isn't available on PC so far. No, not yet. I really hope they port it at one point. Yeah, they could do because they've done. Yeah, they've been hinting, haven't they? But uh, I mean, like, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn that arrived. I didn't think that would, but it did. And, yeah, right. That's so, well, maybe there's hope. Game. I like that one. Um, but it wasn't for everyone. Anyway, we could bang on about other games, but let's not, Paul. Let's delve deep into Islanders.
So, before we can do that, before we can talk in detail about Islanders, we need to know what it is. It's only fair, otherwise the listeners left, you know, flailing around going, we're talking about this concept and stuff that I never know what this game's about or what it is. So, I wish you the very best of luck in this, by the way, Paul. What is Islanders? <laughs> um, Islanders is a minimalist city-building game where you build cities on islands. And, well, you can think of it like a very, very boiled-down version of larger city-building games, like maybe Anno or city skylines, stuff like that, where an island is the only resource you have are the buildings in your inventory. So you start out at, um, on an empty island in the beginning and have a couple of buildings in your inventory, which you can then freely place on the island. And for every building you place on the island, you will um, get points rewarded depending on whatever is in the building surrounding. So, for example, you start out with a lumberjack and it gets a point for every tree that is in its radius when you place it. And then there are other buildings that that have synergies with buildings already placed on the island. For example, then there is a sawmill which gets points for every lumberjack in its range. And, well, from there on, it just gets more and more complex as you unlock more buildings. And they have um, complexer, more complex synergies. And they also sometimes don't want to be in the range of certain other buildings. So you really have to, like, develop a strategy of how to fill up the island with with buildings, getting the most, most points of it. And... Yeah, the goal is to just not run out of buildings, which you will do at one point, naturally. When you try to... Um... Oh yeah, I haven't mentioned that, but every now and then when you um, reach a certain score, like you have this small bar in the lower left and it fills with points and every time you fill it, you uh, refill your inventory with buildings. So the goal is to get to the next refill before you're out of buildings. It can also start on your island, can't you? Yes, exactly. Um, after reaching a certain score on your current island, you will unlock an option to travel to the next island because obviously at one point there will be no space left on your island. Yeah. And also... Developed. Exactly. And also the islands are very different. So they, they differ in size and terra and also on, on their resources yeah i remember once going from a nice spring like island to a cold bitter winter and oh great i'm going to change everything now it was working before now i'm going to do something entirely different it's very very cool well, not entirely different but no, you no. certainly have to adapt your strategy a bit you do all of a sudden you're making bricklayers and stuff <laughs> like, oh, that's exactly lovely um, but it is very serene. It's very relaxing. The music sort of lilts along and there's no time pressure. There's no day-night cycle. There's no... It's just you, the, the island and some buildings and bubbles around said buildings 
and the strings of bliss. Ooh. Uh, which we didn't mention, but it does things that are bliss. <laughs> not going to talk about it too much for fear of spoiling things. But uh, yeah, and of course, I like the fact you can make hermits. They're great. Uh, they think, uh, not the hermits, um, damn it, no, they have to call something else. Um, shamans. Shamans, shamans, yeah. Shamans, yeah, they're, they're lovely. Like, they're with the nature. So if they you put them in and they pick up points for being near nature. And on the yeah, nature. exactly. And they don't like being near the city as well. They don't. They don't. Uh, and I do like building the city. I remember when I first started building it, I spread out everything because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and I think that's a common thing because most of the buildings you encounter initially, they are very much rural buildings that require to be spread out. And then you'll suddenly get, oh, you want to build a town centre? I went, no, I was building a nice little bit. Fine, okay, and I thought, and I didn't really get tw- twig until you know after the second time. Like, oh, you yeah, yeah, I mean, nice yeah. city blocks and they're sort of dense, dense population centers, and sometimes they have multiple ones. And it's like, oh, I better look after that village now. What about this one? I better look after that one. And then there's, it's um, wonderful, really is. It's just, uh, it's just the, the imagery and the graphic design, it's all very calming and just relaxing and you can jump into it for 10 minutes or 20 minutes and then you're done it's not a problem you know um so it's my first design question for you on islanders there is a massive emphasis on connectivity and spatial awareness with islanders was that the core aspect of its design what was that the central tenet of it is like from the outset you must understand where things are placed in relation to each other uh, to un- to get the most out of this experience. Was that always the intention? Um, no, in the beginning we had different, um, I think we prototyped different systems because when we started the game, like the first thing we um, we agreed on was we wanted a game that kind of captures this fantasy of building cities or a civilization or whatever that we had when playing civilization anno um what else? settlers you know games like this so we wanted to take this fantasy but make it very very accessible and also boil it down to rather short play sessions, like something you could play in a commute or in 20 minutes after works. And then in the beginning, we prototyped different stuff with um, that were more like in a traditional way how those kind of games work. Like you would place buildings and have different resources and they would earn resources. And I think it was also at one point time critical, so not turn-based, but things were happening in real time but then we figured that everything was getting a bit too complex and we had to cut um cut things and i think in the end we um yeah just decided to make buildings aware of their surroundings and make that the only mechanic that really is there in the game because we we saw it had like just almost endless potential to then create like little spin-off game mechanics from this 
very easy to understand core mechanic, you know. Like the lumberjack, for example, is very it's just very easy to get what it does and it doesn't have a steep learning curve curve. But then there are much more complex buildings like the temple or warehouses or cities that are based on the very same mechanic but bring more more strategy and more planning to the game so i think we really like then the idea of basing everything just on one mechanic yeah i was kind of like how can i put it blindsided by a building that suddenly appeared like here's a plateau like what 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 am i supposed to do with this it's huge <laughs> like yeah <laughs> have fun with it you can build on top of it right okay what yeah off we go it's, that really just threw me because i didn't know what to do with it i put a tower <laughs> on it in the end well actually yeah. sometimes they're quite useful <laughs> yeah yeah no they sometimes are they're they're also, not. also sometimes like like the amount of times you get like three lumberjacks like no they're just gonna fight amongst themselves now i've got nowhere to put them and yeah sometimes it's a bit of a gamble it is and the random you know the random number generator it can can and hurt you but one thing i've i've been impressing on friends and, and people who are playing it like you don't have to build everything <laughs> you know it's just true like, it's, sometimes it's better to not build something don't build that stuff even though you've got it you don't have to put it down just hit the plus button and get some more buildings that may be more useful <laughs> yes definitely always hit the plus button when it's available yeah. just yeah. to just to give you more have options. all the options yeah all exactly. the options yeah so, my next question. Now, this is a city builder. A civilization builder, if you will. And I've noticed there's one thing that really is absent in the game, which is normally present in games like this. There's no resource gathering. Apart from points. You could argue the points are resources, maybe. But there's no actual additional resources like the wood and coal and energy and it's not there um why i'm not criticizing i'm just just fascinated yeah, by its I think, absence i think that was a very conscious decision then it kind of came with the only using the buildings are aware of their surroundings mechanic mm -hmm. and it yeah we we decided that out of the need for simplicity and there was something we our own have found ourselves struggling with in the more complex um building games that it's just so confusing and overwhelming sometimes to manage all your different resources um at least for me sometimes this takes the fun out of it yeah so just like yeah, we decided there would be only one resources, which were the buildings you have in your inventory. Like the points are not even a real resource, I'd say, because you cannot spend them. They just no. like, give feedback to you on how well you're doing. Or not, the case may be. Or not, <laughs> exactly. The amount of times I put something down, I go, one but, point? Well. <laughs> it can be frustrating. But yeah, yeah uh, I think it was just part of our design philosophy in the end to just... Yeah. Try to make the most minimal, most accessible version. Yeah. Of the game. 
definitely, definitely done that. My next point is something that really drew me more than anything about Islanders, apart from its design aspects and the the uh, elegance of it, was the sense of satisfaction when one successfully develops a settlement to a point where you've got some really racked up some serious pointage, so to speak. You've really progressed quite well. You've delved quite deep. You've managed to, you know, pull something together, a, a civilization that's growing and growing, a sense of progression. And it's, it is quite extraordinary. And that sense of satisfaction, was this deliberate? Was this designed? Or was it an emergent property of the game? Well, um, we definitely focused on making... We had this concept of... I forgot how we called it, but pretty much the smallest... Um, the smallest interaction your game consists of. Like this one thing you will do over and over and over again, which an island is, is dragging a building from your inventory and placing it somewhere on the island. So we definitely focused on designing that in a way that was satisfying and tried to make it as satisfying as it possibly could be. But then definitely I think it was also something emergent from the system that there were buildings, especially the ones you can place later, that just um, profit so much from what you have already built that it just feels very good to then place the temple in your city center and just gain 100 points for it. So you kind of have this moment where you are, I don't know, proud of yourself maybe for building the city in such a smart way that you now can place the perfect tower or temple or warehouse or whatever. Yeah, this the really is... When you get that just right, you've got the, your civilization or your creation of your city just right and everything's all working together somehow despite your inept placement of things. And oh, I really shouldn't have put that seaweed thing there. That's just a terrible idea. You know, there's that seaweed farm. It's just the worst. Why have I put it there? It's stupid. Anyway, amount of times I've found myself like just letting you know. But um, it's it's... Despite all that, it, you still progress, and there's that the 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 the, the sounds the sound design is fantastic. Which is like when you successfully do something, it really lets you know. It really celebrates the fact that you've done well, and the the visual and audio feedback is is very pleasing. And that's that's not that's not easy to do because uh, you can you could have actually undermined the core design, the visual design of the game by actually making it too much of a celebration. Uh, like okay, calm down. Right, I managed to put a hut down. Well done. <laughs> yeah, it's a thin line. It is a thin line. I agree. Line. I mean, if you look at well, you know, pulled out um, MMOs earlier, World of Warcraft. Look, you've le reached level two. <laughs> Seriously, just, just, it's okay. Just calm down. <laughs> yeah. So, my last question to you, Paul. Oh no. That was quick, wasn't it? <laughs> Already. <laughs> oh, no, it's sad. But there it is, all good things. They do come to an end. I used to think, I like to think it was good anyway. So here it is. And it's something that struck me, and it, 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 like, it's unusual in games like this because normally they are 
there by default, but they don't have to be. And what I'm talking about there is, what is no threats? There's no disasters, there's no plague, there's no famine, there's no aliens dropping down from the sky, demolishing half the city. You know what I'm talking about, SimCity 2000. <laughs> it's a classic image of the big oh, yeah, yeah, stomping yeah. over. Uh, instead, it's up to the player to see the space they find and do what they can with it. Was there always an, uh, was there any attention to add any events to the special events to the experience, or was do you think that would actually undermine and dilute the game? That is Islanders. Well, um, I hope I remember this correctly, but I think um, we agreed beforehand before even like doing a prototype or settling for specific game idea we i think agreed that we wanted to make something without violence and combat so those like your default threats were kind of off the table with that just wanted to do something more peaceful something without like explosions or fires or giant robots (laughs) (laughs) for that matter um but I think the ladder could have fitted into into the game, like I don't know, natural disasters, maybe, or weather events, or just any form of dynamic event. Um, probably would have been cool, but um, yeah, in the end, you also have to just cut a lot of potentially good ideas because resources are limited, especially when working with such a small team in a very restricted time frame. So yeah, how, how do you make it fair? If it's just like all of a sudden, oh yes, this city don't get it wiped out because it's been swallowed up by a big Exactly, exactly. I think actually the very first idea we had for Islanders, because we figured okay, we kind of wanna have this endless runner thing that you can like in theory play it forever until you fail. So we um, were trying to figure out how to um, implement that with a city that cannot really infinitely grow. That was before we came up with the islands and the idea that you could just like travel from island to island. So I think one of the very first ideas was that there was like a constant flood rising and you would build like a vertical city and there would just be this flood rising and then like destroying constantly what you have already built. So we were kind of like battling the rising tide. But that didn't feel too satisfying because I think what you like what's nice about city builders is that you can build something and then in the end you look at your city and you feel the sense of pride and ownership. And then if it just gets destroyed it's kind of kind of anticlimactic, I'd say. It is. It is. And uh, some games do it well. Some games look like, you know, you can see that that's the underlying tone of something bad's going to happen any second now. I think, for me, one of the most tragic things I saw was, and for me, what I still remember it to this day, was, was SimCity. And I built a, I built a fire uh, station near the airport, knowing that there's potential that the airplane could crash, which did happen. Then the fire engines would come out and rescue it. 
what I did do is actually put the the fire fire um, station at the end of the runway. You can see where this is going, can't you? So the plane. Oh no no no! Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah! It's exactly the plane went plowing straight into said fire station, and half the city was in flames. And it's like I just sat there going, "What? Well, so the uh, plane actually destroyed the fire station? Then it did, what yeah. Happened. Yeah. Oh wow! But it's impressive that this is possible in the game. It was, like yeah, a very realistic scenario. It was. It's like, wow, that's that that that's, that's a dumb thing to do on my part. But there it is. It was, it was quite well, amazing. That's, that's a moment to remember, though. It is, yeah. Twenty years now that happened, but I still remember it. Like, oh, idiot. Wow. <laughs> But uh, no, I think uh, you're right with Islanders not to do that and actually focus on the experience of creating cool little settlements and then learning from each one and then creating more and more elaborate settlements as you go, learning from your past mistakes and successes. That's one thing I love about Islanders is you learn a lot from your successes, even more than your mistakes. And this, the, the interface is fantastic where it tells you you hover the building over a certain space and then it has numbers floating above it giving you the point value of where you place that. And the amount of times I sat there going, just an inch, I saw a 17 then. It says 15 now, but I definitely saw a 17. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember those moments as well. <laughs> That's a 17. Where's that 17? There's two points. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, sometimes that's even the best strategy to just like hover your building over the island. Yeah, and until you like, find a very good spot. There's no clock. There's no clock. Everyone, it's just like it's just you know. Yeah, rush. exactly. It's, you know, the only thing's rushing you is probably you got to get off at the next stop. <laughs> right. So, Islanders uh, is developed by Grizzly Games, and it's published by Coatsync. I understand. Um, for the consoles at least and uh, it's out now now i want to make sure i get the platforms right because i checked on steam and steam says it's windows pc mac and linux is that true yes that is true um but at the moment i think it's not supporting the newest version of um of the mac os oh that's unfortunate or big Sur. so yeah yeah not not quite sure if that runs properly there, but mm. in theory, it's Windows, um, Linux, and Mac, yes. Yeah. And uh, it's also console-wise. It's on Nintendo Switch. I can verify that. That is true, because I played it on the Switch most of all. Yes. Did you, you revealed the other two. I want to make sure I get this right, because I got in trouble once. Or well, I did. So, can you tell us the other two? I'm not quite sure if... I am allowed to reveal anything right now. I would have on to that. Check. Okay, but if you can't, that's fine. Uh, it might because... be coming to other platforms Others... as well, but for now, it's yes. on the Nintendo Switch. Well, the other two, there's only two left, and I'm not going to say which ones are. But you know, do process of elimination. So yeah, the Atari 2600, <laughs> <laughs> GameCube and, as well, and the GameCube. There you go, coming out on the GameCube Wii, Game Boy Color. There you go. <laughs> Other other platforms of your choice, you can. But uh, no, Paul, it's been fantastic having you on. You've been a great guest. Well, thanks for having me. Has been fun. Yeah, I'm, I hope you had a good time. You're more than welcome to come back on to chat about other games you've got made and or have made. Uh, this this show's had a lot of return guests over the years, and you're very much welcome. 
to return to talk about what else you've got balling under that head of yours. And indeed, the rest of Grizzly Games. But, um, oh, before we go, I've always asked this question. Forgot to ask it. Where's the name Grizzly Games come from? Oh, uh, <laughs> funny question. Yes. Actually, I found it to be the hardest, um, hardest part of game development to name things. Like for our, all our past projects, this has been one of the most difficult parts. And with the company, it was the same. Like there was this point where we decided we wanted to publish Superflight, and we had to like fill out all this stuff for putting it on Steam. So you had to put a developer name there. And then we figured, yeah, we have to come up with a company name now. Um, I, I don't remember exactly how it happened anymore. Just we like brainstormed for two days and couldn't come up with something we really liked. And then I think we went, we thought, okay, we probably will name it something games. And then we thought mm, alliterations are nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just, I think, kind of brainstormed words with G in the beginning, okay. probably. And then okay. someone said Grizzly Games. And well, then yeah. we liked everyone, it. And just everyone likes bears. Stuck with it. It's fine. Good. So Grizzly Games it is. Anyway, Paul, it's a, it's a fine story. It's as fine as any. It's great. <laughs> but uh, no, Paul's been great having you on and uh, thank you very, very much. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, Cane and Rinse dot com. <laughs>